Welcome to Minified, a podcast about web dev and tech news that piqued my interest. I'm your host, Richard, and I'm looking forward to this episode. Announcing React Native 0.67 We got another update to React Native last week in the form of version 0.67. The RN team has shared some highlights of the new version, and they also have some updates on how their plan for H2 of 2021 that we have also talked about before on the show looks like. Back last year, when Facebook wasn't so meta, the RN team has shared their plan for the second half of the year for the library. One of the points they brought up was the attempt to release RN versions more frequently. If you strive to do that, it results in two things. One, we as a community have a chance to get our hands on new features and fixes early. And two, many of those releases will be focused on fixes and improvements. Now, let's take a look at some of the highlights of this release. As for the new stuff, we have seen a bump in Gradle and Kotlin versions, and Snap to Alignment has come to scroll views on Android. As far as the updates go, on Android, Hermes initialization will no longer need an explicit configuration, and setting the overflow to scroll in a view component should no longer clip the children in a container. And we get some optimizations for font handling on iOS. Continuing on with stuff that got ditched in this version, date picker Android component, as well as some unused files, were removed in order to keep the core of React Native lean. We also get tons of fixes for both platforms, like the on-drag keyboard dismiss mode, which should now work properly, or fixes to the align items set to baseline. On iOS, scrolling the cursor in a multi-line text input should no longer be broken, and the default source property for image component that did not work properly should work as expected now. The developers will now also get a warning if running on Rosetta 2 on Macs with M1 chips. All in all, this is a pretty big update, and the bugs that got squished by it are a very welcome addition. In other news, it's always interesting to see how different teams tackle issues that delay releases. Firstly, the RN team has doubled down on knowledge sharing, which is always a good idea. The React Native Wiki on GitHub got a bunch of updates and a very detailed documentation of the release process, along with a schedule of new version releases. As for the coordination of the releases, the discussions regarding the pre-release status has been officially moved to a separate GitHub discussions page, and on top of that, they now have a clearly defined set of roles and responsibilities these roles have for each release. This was hinted at before, and we can now see it in action in their wiki. The basic idea is to have more than one person responsible for the release and to divide all the responsibilities releasing a new version brings into a number of roles that support each other during the process. One such role is that of a release tester. This is a React Native developer working on open source that is not afraid to push a faulty release into production, thus saving us developers a lot of headaches in the future. Kidding aside, the RN team has had good results when they piloted this role in this release, and the release tester was able to spot a regression that they immediately fixed. The next version of React Native, 0.68, is expected to be released by the end of February, so until then, let's try out this one.
Rome for Matter and Rust update. Their Rome team has given us an update on the process of their complete rewrite to Rust. Rome is one of the JavaScript projects that are subject to the wave of what I like to call Rustification. So let's take a look at what they have to say about the process. But first, let's brush up on Rust, their history, and most importantly, what it actually is in case you haven't heard about it. In a joke as old as the time itself, all roads lead to Rome. Rome is designed to replace a number of tools and combine all of the functionality of Babel, ESLint, Webpack, and many others with one tool to rule them all. So, as you might have guessed, Rome is a compiler, a linter, and a bundler for all things JavaScript, HTML, CSS, and so on. However, it's important to note that as of today, Rome only supports parsing, formatting, and linting for JavaScript and TypeScript, and all of the other stuff is still somewhere down the line. Contrary to popular belief, Rome has not been founded by Romulus and his twin brother Remus, and instead, it's the original creator of Babel and Yarn who is actually behind it. It was first released back sometime mid-2020, and by the end of that year, Rome announced plans to ask for funding, which would enable the contributors to work on it full-time. Staying on the topic of Moolah, half a year after the release, the Rome company announced that they have raised over $4 million of seed funding. The co-founder, Sebastian, also welcomed his longtime co-creator of Babel and Yarn, Jamie Kyle, on board as the co-founder of Rome. The foundation of the Rome company, Rome Tools Incorporated, was also announced in this update. And now, let's get to the rusty stuff. Back in September of 2021, a big decision was revealed from the Rome founders. Based on a prototyping phase they went through, the Rome team decided on rewriting the whole thing from scratch in Rust. Initially, the biggest concern was productivity. The main question was, how can a team of JavaScript developers ramp up in a new language and be actually productive with it quickly? They found out that they could realign some of their prior design decisions in order to make the development process quicker. For example, the Rome team made an early decision of not using any third-party dependencies because, well, uh, JavaScript. In their own words, Rust community places a lot more focus on correctness of their packages, which are called crates, and make trade-offs that align much closer with Rome's needs. To sum it all up, Rome development was foreseen to be actually quicker when rewritten in Rust because the devs could make use of other people's code. You know, like us normal people. Joking aside, there were a lot of other valid reasons, like reducing the overhead thanks to Rust's trade system that all come down to improving the cadence of the development. In the latest update from the team, we got an insight into the process of the rewrite that started with forking JavaScript and TypeScript linter called RSLint and shedding some detail on the technicalities behind building a parser. We also got an exciting release in the form of a formatter for JS and TS, and what's more, a VS Code extension for it is in the works and it should be available in the next couple of months. Nice. Rome also shared updates about hiring four new members and shipping out Rome swag to everybody who donated to their fundraising campaign. If you didn't support Rome in their humble beginnings, you missed out on a water bottle, 
a cozy blanket and, most importantly, a Guy Fieri sticker. Graphs have arrived to GitHub Markdown. A little bit of quick news for you Markdown enthusiasts out there. It seems GitHub has been investing a lot of time into their Markdown editors recently because just a month back we have seen them adding support for uploading SVG files into Markdown. Well, hold on to your horses. GitHub's Markdown now supports rendering graphs, which is, in my opinion, totally awesome. GitHub is using Mermaid, an open-source JavaScript library, for dynamically generating these graphs in browsers. Mermaid supports a wide variety of types of graphs. You can do flowcharts, Git graphs, UML diagrams, user journeys, and much more. Using this new feature is easy as pie chart, which you can, by the way, also do in Mermaid. Anyway, to use this cool feature, all you need to do is put in the backticks that you use for a block of code and use Mermaid as the language. The syntax is different for various charts, so make sure to check out Mermaid Docs to see what fun stuff you can create with it. Under the hood, GitHub generates an iframe for every Mermaid code block it encounters and then passes the contents of it to mermaid.js, which generates the graph. GitHub's HTML pipeline and view screen make sure to only display the graphs in a JavaScript-enabled environment and return the raw markdown content when retrieving it, for example, with API calls. I don't know about you, but I can wait to flex this as soon as I find an ample opportunity when doing my code reviews. Thanks for tuning in to Minified. If you like what I do, the best way to support me is to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast and share it with your friends and colleagues. Catch you later.